Welcome to episode number 122 of the Jackson Hole Connection, recording right here in international headquarters for the Jackson Hole Connection. This episode's sponsor is Prue Real Estate. Should you have any questions about real estate in Jackson Hole, give Dan Vazoski or Greg Prue a call or visit Prue.com. That's P-R-U-G-H.com to search current local listings. Good morning, good afternoon, and happy days ahead. I'm Stephan Abrams, your host of the Jackson Hole Connection. My mission is to bring you a fascinating story of a real person. That's right, we only talk to real people connected to this beautiful valley in some way. Jackson Hole is full of inspiration, liveliness, and excitement, which pulls people here like a powerful magnet. These people share their story with you and I each week and the story sharing allows us all to learn about other people's lives, which can help us all live full and complete lives. My guest today is Whitney, who wears a few hats here in the community, personal life coach and director of development and marketing for Teton Valley Ranch Camp. Whitney's roots first arrived in the valley, which date back to the 1940s and are connected to Teton Valley Ranch Camp which later led Whitney herself to being a camper at TVRC. So in 2017, after falling ill with shingles and feeling overworked in the big city life, Whitney pulled up those stakes in Michigan and headed out here to Jackson Hole. Now a certified life coach, Whitney helps women who are ready to connect to their true self. Whitney shares with us today what it means to have a coach, and provides us some suggestions to help you find a coach yourself. Whether you're male or female, we can all use a little bit of coaching in our lives. Whitney, thank you for joining me today at the Jackson Hole Connection. Delighted to have you join in on this beautiful, sunny winter day. Thanks so much, Stefan. Yeah, it's it's nice to have all the sunshine. Although I need more snow, but... <laughs> Well, that's the balance in the wintertime, isn't it? Sunny days, it's not really snowing, but then the snow days are magical because it is so much fun to play in that snow. Absolutely. Yeah. So Whitney, and you go by wit, Mm -hmm. tell us how you landed here in Jackson Hole. What is your connection to this place we call as magical? Yes. Um, So my grandfather on my mom's side is my connection here. He came out here in the 40s working for Teton Valley Ranch Camp. He didn't really have a summer gig or kind of a father figure in his life. And his one of the headmasters at the school that he went to started TVRC and invited him to come out and work in the barn for a couple summers. And he did that and fell in love with this place as you do. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to grow up coming out here and spending time with my grandfather and grandmother who moved out here when I think in the early eighties, they finally moved out here from Michigan. And so I was just very fortunate to spend summers here, spend winters here, uh, and then attend TVRC as a kid. And that's where the love of this place I think was really cemented for me, just getting to explore um, the wilderness and the backcountry around here a little bit more than 
what my family, their interest level kind of, you know, peaks at going to amphitheater lake and then they're good. (laughs) (laughs) So it was fun for me to really get out there and explore some of the different corners of the valley. And yeah, that's, that's where I fell in love. And I knew I had to make it out here eventually full time. That's, that's awesome. So your grandfather started coming out here in the forties. I mean, Jackson was such a small remote place back in the forties. Yeah. How did, he, how did he first get here? He took the train to Rock Springs and then they would send a pickup truck down to like pick up all the boys in their trunks. And so he rode in a truck up here um, from Rock Springs and fell in love with the place. I actually have some letters that he wrote my great grandmother when he was out here um, in the summer of 45 and 46, just talking about the fish that he ca- caught and taking horseback trips up the Buffalo Fork and, you know, climbing and and doing all kinds of fun stuff. Um, he got a chance to like hang out with Glenn Exum one summer. I think Glenn came to TVRC and said, if any boy wants to climb the grand, like we'll, we'll take you up there. It's going to, I think it was like 75 bucks a kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, yeah, he, he fell in love with the place. And, and then you said you started coming out in the eighties. Well, I, yeah, my, my grandparents and my parents, uh, got built a place out here in the eighties. And then I, yeah, I started, I was born in 86. So yes, I was out here from the time I was very little every Mm -hmm. summer and just enjoyed being in the nature of it and horseback riding and, you know, kind of just getting lost. You know, my grandpa would say like, where do you want to go today? And I would just pick a spot on a map and we'd go for a hike or go take the kayaks out and and kind of adventure in different corners of, of the Valley. So how fun. Yeah. Not every kid gets to do that. No, very, very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. And coming out here every summer to visit with your grandparents, what was Jackson Hole like then in your mind as a child and coming out here once a summer to compared to now and living here full time year round and being a part of the community? Yeah, I um, it seemed so different to me than it does now. I think there's there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, there wasn't like a TJ Maxx here back then. There was Kmart. And it, it just, it felt way more remote, I think, than it feels now. And that could have something to do with just being a kid. But then also, I think the, the popularity of the place has obviously gone through the roof since the late 80s and, and 90s. Um, I vividly remember the summer, I think it was the summer after Jackson Drug closed and my grandpa like calling us and saying the drugstores closed. And I was just beside myself. Like we always used to go there and get shakes and, you know, pick up whatever we needed at the drugstore. But I think for me, that was the moment when like, I realized that time in the outside world could affect TV or uh, could affect Jackson Hole. Like Mm -hmm. this, this place is changing and shifting. And um, yeah, I remember them like starting up the little drugstore or just the soda fountain, like down the street. And hoping that that was going to keep going. And then, you know, that didn't, that didn't make it very long, but yeah, it just, it feels a lot different. It, you know, it feels busier. It feels more influenced by the outside world. I think than it did when I was younger. We've been found. We have been found. (laughs) (laughs) People like you and me, we found it. I mean, you knew about it for a long time. I didn't grow up here, but yeah, my, my brother uh, had me move here and Uh couldn't imagine living anywhere else. And that, that's the thing, you know, I, I want it to be this, and I think we all feel this way. We want it to be this like sacred special place. Cause it means so much to us, but then you have to, you have to remember that other people are on their own journey to find this place too. And you can't just say like, nope, we're full up. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's an interesting kind of balance to, to want to preserve 
what this place has been and what it means to us as individuals, but then also welcome those folks in that are discovering it and making their memories here and making their connections with the place. For sure. Mm-hmm. And and you had the, the great honor to be a camper, as you said, at TVRC, Teton mm-hmm. Valley Ranch Camp, which has been out here for decades and decades now. Yeah. And as as a child having that experience, what did your friends think of your stories going back home? What they're like, what did they think about those? Oh, I was the weird kid that went to ranch camp. Like, wait, where do you go? What do you do? You know how to lasso things? Like it was it was not like your you know, your typical summer experience, especially if you grew up in the Midwest where you went to like a sports camp and then like played on the lake all day. So it was it was bizarre for, for my friends. They would always make fun of me with my stories, you know, like, Oh, this one time at ranch camp, you did this weird thing or climbed a mountain, but I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Like I, I kind of knew, I think even at 13, 14, when I first started going, like, this is, this is really unique and special. So. Did it inspire any of those friends from where you were living, where you're growing up to say, that's really cool. I want to try that. I had a couple friends come out with me um, in high school and we would just, you know, like hang out with my grandparents and and play around a little bit, but it didn't really click with them. You know, Mm -hmm. they, they were kind of more happy just being by the lakeshore and, and doing kind of the Midwest thing. But I think that to me, that made me realize how, how unique of a spot it is. And even Mm -hmm. though there are so many people that gravitate to this place now, it really is. I don't know. It's, it's something a little bit different. You have to have that kind of personality where you want to challenge yourself and be huffing and puffing up a hill and find joy in that (laughs) as opposed to just taking it easy on a vacation. Yeah. Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm going to, when my kids are old enough, I'm going to bring them out there. Absolutely. I, now I have a lot of those friends that were like, well, we like, you know, it's, it's fun out there, but I can check it off my list. They're like, let us know when we can send send mm-hmm. the kids or even my cousin's kids are, you know, waiting in the wings. And yeah. and then I hear from those same people when so they come out here like, now I know why you love it out there. Or what I can't believe it took me so long to make it out here. I can't wait to come back. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Um in in bringing some friends out here since I moved out here full time. They're like, okay, we get it. You know, we we kind of thought you were nuts for moving to Wyoming, but this is this is a really neat space and it is just a different lifestyle. You know, I think it, it took me a shift when I, when I transitioned out here from marketing and, and living in kind of a bigger city to, to like slow down and, and shift my pace fully, even though I've visited out here so many times, you know, it's mm-hmm. one thing to visit for a long period of time. And then it's another to like really shift your lifestyle and into living out here. I'm interested to hear more about that experience with, mm-hmm. and so tell us where you moved from again, when you came out here to live full time. And then also, what did you have to do? What did you realize needed to be done to make a shift to transition into this, in uh, this culture? Yeah. So I moved from Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, which is like a mid-sized city. I think there's, there's like 300,000 people in the city itself. And I was working in corporate world. So I was working like 50, 60 hours a week and just kind of traveling all the time and moving really fast. And then in moving out here, there were weekends again, and there were, you know, um, there was space at the end of the day where I could 
just get in my car and drive 15 minutes and go do something outdoors, which I knew like, you know, cognitively, you know, that when you're moving to a place like this, but then to actually experience it and to not feel guilt in doing that. Like when I first started working out here, I felt like, okay, I, I shouldn't be leaving right at five from the office. I should be like really trying to, to work harder and get to some next deadline. And then, you know, realized in, in chatting with coworkers and with other folks out here, like, no, like do, do the work, put, put in the time, but then go play. Like, don't feel guilty that you're not checking your email on the weekends. Like it will all be here on Monday. Um, so really shifting out of that mindset for me was hard. And I felt like, I almost felt like something was missing because I wasn't using my phone in that same way. And it does become such an appendage, you know, you're, you're mm-hmm. just constantly hooked on it. Yeah. So that, I think that was the big shift for me was losing the guilt that I could go play like on a weekday and it was okay. It, it, you know, I wasn't going to be judged for it because I was working in a, in a culture where, you know, if you weren't at your desk before you needed to be there and after most people left, you, you weren't working hard enough. So. Do you think you've become more productive with allowing yourself the time to play and not feel that pressure? Absolutely. I've totally redesigned like how I work and how I function since I've moved out here. Um, I really deliberately have a slower start to my day. Um, I still start working like early in the day, like eight, eight 30, but I'm able to, especially in the summer, like get up and do, do a quick hike somewhere. Um, I live up in Moose so I can, you know, run to one of the trailheads really easily and, and get in some time. And I find that making that space and prioritizing that as opposed to prioritizing getting up, like getting prepared for the day and checking my email first. I have such a different mindset and perspective on the work that I'm doing. Yeah. And it does, it feels more fun to then be doing the work because I know that I've nourished myself outside of that. And I'm like 100% at work instead of thinking I need to be in a bunch of different places while I'm working. Yeah. I think a lot of corporate America has something to learn. (laughs) A ton. Yeah. <laughs> you, you are more productive productive when you give yourself um the time and the, the mental break, but uh also the physical exercise is so important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and I was a person, I think the year before, it was less than a year before I moved out here. I had shingles at the age of 30, which is like an older person's illness typically, but my doctor was like, you you came down with shingles and it's something that's happening in your generation because you're also stressed and you don't take time. And that for me was like one of the final nails in the coffin of like, I got to change. Like this, this is not sustainable. That's, um, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of stress to carry around. Mm-hmm. Glad you made the change. Me too. Me too. <laughs> and you, of all places, you live in Moose, Wyoming. I mean, Moose is what the population of maybe 120. Yeah. Yeah. There's not very many of us up here. <laughs> How did you land living in Moose? Uh, so my boyfriend works for the park. So okay. with the wonderful housing situation in Jackson, this is this is sustainable. And he had a nice home here. So yeah, it, it worked out. That's terrific. Yeah. So now you're working at your childhood camp mm-hmm. and you're an entrepreneur. You've started your own business as well. Yeah. So help us learn more about what you are doing out there. Yeah. So um, Jackson, this valley is kind of 
the place where so many different stages of my life have started. And uh, four years ago now, I came out here to climb the grand for my 30th birthday and had a major life shift. I was engaged at the time and was climbing with my then fiance and had this huge aha shift where he literally couldn't make it up the mountain. Um, we got to base camp. Um, we were climbing with Exum and was struggling to to get up the next day um, to where we needed to all uh, like tie in and, and start actively climbing. And I had this moment of like, wow, this is, this is such a literal example of can this person climb mountains with me in life? And it ended up being kind of the straw that broke the camel's back of a bunch of different issues that we had had in our relationship and ended with me ending that relationship and then feeling really lost because it was just a couple weeks before I turned 30. I had planned this whole wedding. I had like set myself up to, to be living this, this life back in Michigan. And I had a really great corporate job and like everything was dialed in. And then before I know it, I'm just start unraveling things. So that was in fall of 2016. And then by fall of 2017, I was really unhappy in my work. Um, that's when I came down with shingles and was really overworked. And I realized like, I need to make some major, major shifts. And I had always been a fan of personal development and working on myself, but I started feeling this real nudge to like dive into it more and to look for certifications or ways that I could kind of propel myself more in this space. Cause I've, I've always really loved having conversations with people and just kind of dissecting how people approach life. And before I know it, I am kind of seriously thinking, where do I want to move? I had an aunt tell me, why don't you just move to Wyoming? Like, aren't you're just being silly. Like, why are you even considering anywhere else? And that night I woke up in the middle of the night thinking, okay, what am I going to do with myself here? And I just typed in marketing jobs, Jackson, because I knew the best way I can transition while I'm trying to figure out this, this other part of my life I want to build would be to find a marketing job out here. And the job at TVRC popped right up first listing. And I, you know, followed that path and was able to move out here within six months for that opportunity. And then while I was making that move, I was in school to become a life coach um, because I really felt through my struggle and my um, kind of big pivot moment around my 30th birthday that there aren't enough people, enough women in my kind of age group talking about this in a really candid and vulnerable way. I think there's still a lot of assumptions that you need to kind of tick certain things off the list, like get a good job, find a partner, get married, you know, do kind of that process in a certain order. Get the MRS degree. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. (laughs) And, and there's, um, you know, there's not a lot of talk of what happens when you start putting those things together and they don't fit, or maybe the the pattern is different for you. Um, or maybe your desires are just different. And so how do you make that roadmap for yourself when it doesn't really seem like there is one? So that that's really what led me to doing this work in um, creating the, the business being open and working with women here locally and um, internationally. Actually, I have clients all over the world now. And it's, it's just been really powerful to be able to take that experience and be living in this place that helped trigger that experience and a place that keeps me really raw and honest with myself and be able to share that with, with other women. So now help me and, and everybody listening, what does it mean to be a life coach and what is your ideal client? How do you know that they're the right fit for what you're doing? Sure. So for me, life coaching is 
really the process of taking lessons that you are in the process of learning or have learned and making them actionable moving forward. So I like to reference it in regards to therapy, because I think a lot of people kind of can interpret those as like, okay, well, you can go to a therapist or you can go to a life coach. Therapy is way more uh, retrospective. So you're kind of looking at what has happened in your life and, and pulling things apart and diving in and processing. Whereas life coaching, I look at as kind of the other leg, you know, that's moving you forward. You're taking those lessons and that processing work that you've done. And then you're looking for tools and things that you can implement in your life to then move forward and make change and start living as the version of yourself you want to be, as opposed to repeating old patterns. Um, So I think they really dovetail beautifully together. Um, And then my ideal client are, are women who are ready to connect with their true self, like deeply to the point that they know that there's maybe something that they're hiding from themselves and they want to make the change. They want to break the pattern, but they just don't know what that next right step is. That's really my niche. And then two women that are tired of relationship patterns unfolding in similar ways. Um, That's something that I deal with with quite a few of my clients, breaking negative patterns and and behaviors and relationships, Um, romantic career, even in family. Um, So it's, it's a pretty wide swath. And this is not therapy. Mm -mm. No, no, no. And you're, you went to school, you said to be a a life coach. Mm -hmm. I did a, a course through the international coaching federation. So it was like a six month program. Yeah. And so the international coaching federation, that's geared towards life coaching, any kind of coaching. So you oh. can, you can take it and the, the program that I went through, it's all baseline life coaching, but then you can kind of focus it in on whatever your passion is. So there's, there's people that I graduated with that are um, finance coaches or fitness coaches or nutritional coaches. So it's really that process of taking any expertise that you might have from other degrees, fields of study, life experience, and then using different different tools and processes to set up both the back end of your business, but then also how you work with clients and how you you manage that kind of growth and, and progress of a client through their time with you. Fascinating. I, I never knew something like that was was available out there. We always learn something new. Yeah. And then coaching versus teaching. Mm. And coaching versus going to receive a degree, because you mentioned something that struck me, finance coaching. Mm -hmm. People can go receive a degree with initials behind their name, their personal financial planner, or they can trade stocks or sell insurance. But for this, there's there's not initials behind so many names, but that doesn't delegitimize what you're doing. Absolutely. I think the the coaching aspect of it is more meeting the individual that you're working with where they are and creating space for them to do the problem solving and for them to get in connection with the part of themselves that's been missing or the realization of, okay, that's a habit that I need to tweak for myself in order to, you know, deal, manage my finances better or manage my nutrition better. You, you know, whatever kind of coach you might be working with. So that I think is, is one of the things that sets coaching apart is I'm not coming in with like a prescriptive thing. Like, okay, do these 12 steps and the next person does the same 12 steps and then you've fixed your problem. It's, it's meeting the individual where they are, giving them space to really 
think through what's going on in their life and wrestle with the stuff that's popping up. I think that's the other thing that allows someone to grow with coaching, maybe more than they might grow if they're kind of doing it on their own. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with just buying books or figuring out a process for yourself and coaching yourself. But having that time commitment of saying I'm processing and, and holding the space for myself to, to grow and to do some really deep diving work every two weeks. I think that's something that it's hard to, to carve out time for if you don't have that accountability of a coach. Oh, oh yeah. I'm, we'll speak <laughs> to that in just a minute. We're going to take a quick break to have a word from one of our sponsors. And we'll be right back when you are thinking about making a real estate decision for here in Jackson Hole or the Valley. It is important to go with someone you can trust. Recently, I trusted Dan Vazoski at Pru Real Estate to personally handle a real estate transaction. The service and attention I received demonstrated I am important. Greg Prue started Prue Real Estate in 2002 with you, the customer in mind. Give Greg or Dan a call at 307-733-9888 or visit Prue.com. That's P-R-U-G-H.com to connect today. Let them know you heard about them from me, Stefan, the podcast guy. Welcome back. And we're talking about coaching and you have your own business. Share with us the name of your business again and spell it all out for us. Yeah, it's being open. Um, and that's open with two P's. So O-P-P-E-N, which is a play on my last name to help folks pronounce it right. It's Oppenheisen. There's a second P in a silent U and it throws folks for a loop. <laughs> so. Oh, I like it. Yeah, thanks. And you are a life coach. You have your own business. You mm -hmm. have clients around the world. I'm talking to you from your worldwide headquarters in <laughs> Moose, Wyoming. Yep. <laughs> and what are some of the services that you offer for coaching? So I do a couple different things. One-on-one um, -on -one coaching is kind of where I started and it's still one of my favorite things to do. So I offer three and six month series with me where we can meet weekly or bi-weekly uh, for an hour and really dive into whatever specific focus a client is looking for. Um, relationship and intuitive coaching is what I like to kind of focus in on most. But I think the misnomer with relationship is it's not just romantic relationships. It's, you know, your relationship with uh, your boss or other coworkers or how you approach your career, um, your relationship with family members, or even your relationship to yourself. You know, if you've been kind of through the ringer in life and are trying to reconnect to yourself and understand who you are, or who you want to be, that's, that's kind of the, the bread and butter of what I do. Um, and then I also have a couple different group coaching series that happen throughout the year. Right now in January, we have the Messy Path course, which is one that I co-run with another uh, coach out of Wisconsin, actually. And her and I do that for a month. It's an intensive and we meet, we have a 11 spots. So it's a small group intensive and it's all like peer support. And then myself and the other coach um, supporting the group. And really diving in on like one very specific messy part of your life. So it could be something that's happening to you in the now, or it could be something that just happened that you're trying to process through. Um, but it's hyper-focused to one event or area of your life. Um, and it's a really intense deep dive as a group, which is super fun. We run that a couple times a year. Um, and then I do kind of pop-up group coaching events online here and there as well. How cool. And, and you're very focused. You, you only work with women. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm, I'm going to share with it, you and everybody else. I work with a coach oh, great. and uh, for business oh. and actually work with more than one. Coach. <laughs> <laughs> People do that. It's, it's the way of the world. But I, I have one coach that I work with one-on-one and then another coach that I bring on for the team that we work with together. And each person has their own perspective. Mm-hmm. But a, a buddy of mine sent me an article a few years ago. He and I were talking about this type of stuff. And it was about coaching. Mm-hmm. How, whether in your business or life, we don't take the steps enough to get the tune-up, to get the direction, somebody to help us find alignment with where we sh- want to be and where we should be going. Mm-hmm. But if you're a professional athlete, people have coaches. Yeah. And the article was based upon a surgeon. And he, the surgeon had a great recovery rate, but wanted to have even a better recovery rate for their patients, for his patients. Mm -hmm. And he hired or asked one of his professors to come in and observe him in surgery. Mm -hmm. And just some small changes to the observations made his surgical staff, support staff happier, made the process better for him. And in the end, the, the patient was able to recover at a higher, faster rate. Wow. Because everybody was in sync so much more mm-hmm. and there was less room for error. Yeah. I love that. I think that's, that's such a perfect example of, of coaching, like apply that to whatever you are focused on in your life that you want to improve. And I work with a couple different coaches myself each year because it's, you do just need those tune-ups and you need that outside set of eyes to say, Hey, have you looked at it this way? Or, you know, what about, what about this approach? Yeah. It's, I, I love the field. It's, it's fascinating. And I, I just think it's such a cool way to connect and support people. And when people come to you and they're not sure if, if they should hire a coach, mm-hmm. what are some of their hesitations? And then in the end, what is their response after working with you? Mm, I think some of the hes- hesitations that pop up right away are just, do I really want to go there? Like, would I be okay? Just like continuing on and, and trying to, to kind of muck through it with what I know. And then other hesitations are just, you know, is, is the timing right? Like, can I really see change in three to six months? Like, it seems kind of bonkers, like that you can sign on for a three month series and actually see like marked change, but you really can when you are dedicated. And when you show up, I, I equate it quite often to going to the gym like you can, you can get a three month membership to a gym, but if all you do is you go and you sit down on the treadmill, like you're not going to see much change. But if you go in and you get on the treadmill and you do some stuff, <laughs> you will see some change. Um, so, so that's, I think that's the hesitation I see most in, in people that are interested in, in working with me. Um, and I do like free chats, you know, with anyone who's, who's kind of interested, but has some questions. Um, and then I, I think the, the realization at the end is, oh, I, I can do this and I am doing this. It's this sense of confidence and empowerment for a lot of my clients that they aren't victim to the patterns that are in their life and they aren't a slave to the, the experiences that they have had. Just because you have had a slew of experiences that go a certain way doesn't mean you are stuck in only experiencing life that way. And that's, that's really been powerful for me. And just, I actually was out a few weeks ago with, with a woman that I coached uh, for the last year. And, and she was like, 
it's really nice that I like have your voice in my head. And then I just like know what to do now. And I have these scenarios popping up. Um, so that, that always warms my heart too, just knowing that people are applying the, the tools and the things that we work with in coaching after the fact. And it, it's interesting. I, I'm going to guess not everybody's willing to spend money on coaching, but you probably have more people willing out there that aren't necessarily your clients, but they're more willing to go to happy hour after work or grab Starbucks once or twice a day or go out to eat several times a day. But if you make the, the if you have the right balance and then you invest in yourself, it's well worth that time and money spent. It, it absolutely is. I kind of look at it like coaching is a type of self care and self work that is so much deeper than like whatever, like hashtag self care thing you might do for yourself, like buy a nice bottle of wine or like, you know, go and get a massage or something like that. Like, not that those things aren't great. Like those are lovely things. I, I enjoy them too, but you need to make that space to, to do the deep work. And I think that's, that's where people will, you know, your ego, ego will come up with a million excuses to, to not do something that will definitely benefit you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think just diving in, even though it's scary, trying it out, even though it's scary, you know, there's, there's nothing to say that you can't, you know, start up with a coach and feel it out and maybe even have like one or two, like shorter chats with them. If you're thinking about working with any coach, you know, you might as well reach out and ask like, okay, could I do a 30 minute chat free with you? Is that cool? They will probably say yes. Cause for me too, when I'm working with people, I want to make sure I'm working with somebody who, who wants to do it, you know, who isn't just going to go into the gym and sit down on the treadmill and expect the coach to be doing all the lifting. Cause that's just, that's just not how it works. And it's not to the best benefit of, of the individual. So I can certainly attest that the coach does not do the work for you. <laughs> <laughs> I can attest to that. Is, is there a database or resource that people could use to find out a coach's legitimacy? Because I'm sure there's some people out there who say that they're life coaches, but are they going to really help a person? Yeah. So I am, I'm certified through a program called Beautiful You, which is based out of Melbourne, Australia. And that is, has the backing of the International Coaching Federation. So that's that whole program that I went through. And you can ask a coach, you know, go on their website, see what their certifications are, their credentials are. And then you can also go to those accrediting bodies. So if you're looking for a coach in a specific, you know, corner of the world or lifestyle, like a, a finance coach or a nutrition or a business coach, or even a relationship coach, you can see who they potentially are certified for or by. And there's a bunch of different certifications out there. Like there's the International Coaching Federation. There's, I know there's a handful for nutrition that are all different focuses. I have some friends that are nutrition coaches and, you know, some are more like lifestyle nutrition focused and others are more um, based in health and like, you know, eating disorder and recovery and that kind of stuff. So I would really ask the coach that you're interested in or that you found on Instagram and, and really, you know, quiz them on it. Cause there are a bunch of different certifying bodies out there. Do you have some helpful tips as far as some questions that somebody should ask a coach? Yeah. Um, so I would always ask what they think their main benefit is to their clients. Like what is the difference that they offer? Ask for testimonials. 
You could even ask if they would be willing to connect you with past clients. I have had some current clients do that. Like, hey, could I chat with somebody that's worked with you in the past? And then two, you can just kind of see what they're posting about. Like, I think most coaches are now found online. So you can, they, you know, they all have a pretty big footprint on Facebook or Instagram or you name it and just see what they're sharing and see if it, is it more just fluffy keyword based or is it actual, like they're posting a couple of times a week with takeaways that you can just use, you know, like honest to God freebies that are valuable as opposed to just like, here's a cute desktop background that says be your best self. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of a difference there. So I think just asking kind of questions that you feel if somebody asked you as a coach, would it kind of make you say like, oh man, this person knows what they're looking for. Like ask for outcomes based, you know, questions or return clients. How many return clients do you have? Because that's another really good testament too. If, if you have people coming back and, and using them or recommending them. It's not bad for a client to return for coaching. Mm-mm. No, not at all. Because it's constant. It we is. always need constant improvement. Life is changing. The world changes. People around us change. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what about accountability? How does that tie into coaching, you coaching somebody and what the accountability somebody needs to bring to the relationship? Mm -hmm. Accountability is huge. For me, it's show up ready to dig in, in our one-on-one sessions. And then we will build the accountability to what that person's emotional or even like just time limited availability is outside of, of a coaching session, you know, cause if I have a client that's going through a divorce or something, I know emotionally they might not have the bandwidth to do a bunch of stuff between sessions, but I, I can read and kind of feel into, okay, that I know that they can commit to like one activity of tracking their mood or doing a couple of kind of affirmation building exercises. So it's really about just being willing to show up and then also be open to, to kind of getting kicked in the butt if you aren't really doing that, doing the, the work in between sessions. And I, I really like to work with my clients where they are. So I'm going to push them, but I'm not going to push them so much that they just shut down because that doesn't benefit anyone. Um, so it really is a balancing act and accountability. And I, I really love the in-between time too. So I offer, if you're a one-on-one client of mine, I offer unlimited email or direct message support in between sessions. So if something hits the fan and we're not meeting for another week, I'll be available to them in between. I'm, I'm glad you do. That's, <laughs> that's important because yeah. there's a lot of questions in between one meeting to the next. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, how can people find you with you mentioned Instagram, Facebook. What are all those channels? Yeah. So Instagram, I'm at wit underscore being open with two P's. Um, <laughs> and then if you just search being open again with two P's on Facebook, you'll find my business page there. And then I'm at beingopen.com as well. And then I have a podcast called The Messy Path that you can find on the website. The Messy Path. Mm-hmm. And you co-host that with? With Ariel Arnson, the the other coach that I do the group coaching course with. Perfect. Yeah. And how often do you come out with a new podcast episode? Weekly. Right now we're, well, as we're recording this, we're on a little bit of a break. Um, it, as we're starting up the messy path coaching series. So we're, Mm -hmm. we're kind of doing every other week right now, but we'll be back on weekly, um, in February. 
cool. A messy path. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look it up. All right. <laughs> and and sh- we will certainly share that with uh, everybody on our social channels as well, because it's good to get out some quality podcasting and content for people to listen to and fill their lives and minds with uh, good information because we all need some positive, helpful information out there right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Any final words of wisdom that you want to share with everybody today, Whit? Be in it is what popped into my head. So wherever you are, just be in it right now. Work through it. Feel through it. It's not permanent. We can't get through it if you're not in it. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Whit, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. This is very insightful and inspiring and and I'm happy and appreciative of what you are doing to help others. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It was really a joy. And have people send their kids to Teton Valley Ranch Camp as well, right? Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) We would love to have kids. That's right. All right, Whit, go make it a great day. Thanks, you too. Thank you. Good to see you. To learn more about Whitney and her business being open, that's O-P-P-E-N, visit the jacksonholeconnection.com episode number 122 happy 2021 everybody please share this episode with people so we can have a much better year of 2021 i'm always available for you reaching out to me directly for email which is connect at the jacksonholeconnection.com thank you everybody for listening I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of The Jackson Hole Connection.